Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Cousin Vine for April 26, 2018. I'm your host, David Glockman. Join me this evening only. Welcome to Simply. Good evening, sir. All right. Good uh, kind of show, kind of like the old days. I think there was many shows early on that were you and I, and maybe we had a guest on. Uh, Catherine had um, some plans that she had to take care of, and so she told us to go on ahead without her. Um, we were going to have a guest. Something came up there. Um, I won't mention that person's name to throw them under the bus so nobody will know, but it was obviously something that needed to get taken care of. So Tim and I looked at it, and we said, we've got a million um, U.S. Senate election polls and news and information, so we're going to spend the majority of the show on the U.S. Senate, all these different races that have become very intriguing. Before we get there, let's uh, kind of go into the one race that's coming up this week for the junior circuit. There is an Arizona special election, and um, I'm looking for the district, but it opened up um, when I think it was Trent Frank's um, – resigned in, in some um, not the best of circumstances. And so that has opened, uh, that race has opened up. It was a 17-point Republican-leaning district, but that 17 points seems to have gone away if you believe the Emerson College poll that came out this week that shows it pretty much a dead heat with the Democrat um, position, and I, I'm a mauler name if I say it, um, she's leading by a point. Uh, Tim, what do you think of this race? Boy, uh, times have really changed in the last couple of years. Who, who would have thought that we would even be discussing a special election in the 8th Congressional District of Arizona? This, this, this is, for those that don't know, a very deep red district. It should normally not be in play. This this is the home, of, for those of you not familiar with Arizona, of the famous uh, Sun City Retirement Village. It's also the home base of Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Maricopa County. Trump won here by 21 points. The median age of the voters is 43, which is older than most of the country. Today, the Democratic National Committee has not put many resources in here. The Republicans, on the other hand, outside groups are throwing everything but the kitchen sink at it. I think they're getting a little panicky because of what happened in Pennsylvania 18 and before that Alabama. The Democratic candidate that you mentioned is an emergency room physician. That That's right. No politician by the name of Dr. Uh, Haral Tipernini. Um, I I know that 
pronunciation because I looked it up only today. Uh, she is a, an Indian American. Her opponent, though, is a former state senator, Debbie Lascow. So Tempranini has raised about 100000 more than Lascow. But in recent days, like I said, the Republicans have poured like a million dollars into the race. So, David, as of Friday, 151,000 um, early votes had been cast, uh, 48.6 by Republicans, 27.7 by Democrats, and 23.2 by Indy voters. The polls do show a close race, but Republican voters outnumber Democrats by like 90,000 voters in this district. I, I can't imagine the GOP losing this this one, but gosh, dude, even if it's close, it, it would be shocking, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would, especially when you talk about the age demographics. Um, older voters have been more loyal to the Republicans and Donald Trump thus far, and they also are so good, I mean, to their credit, of showing up to vote in elections. They're the most consistent voters. And so you don't think there'd be a fall-off, even if they are somewhat disillusioned. They're, they're still going to go vote. So to actually win a district like this, you're going to have to flip some of those voters, um, we've had that discussion many, many times, but I think in a race like this, you're going to have to have some of those silver foxes, some of those AARP members switch from voting for Republicans to voting for Democrats if you're going to win a district like this. I don't know if it's happening. I, I would love to see the cross tabs on that Emerson College poll. There was also a poll from OH Predictive Insights, and apparently the ABC affiliate there did another poll that showed Lesko winning 53-43. Really still not a good sign for Republicans, only having a 10-point lead in a 21-point Trump district, 17-point district, just generically Democratic to Republican. So it still shows that same trend towards Democrats. But, Tim, what do you have you seen any kind of cross-tabs about how voters are voting? Because I think if you could see – Voters 65 well, and up, if they had moved Democratic, that might mean something. I hope they had because, like, 57% of this early vote is over 65, and most of the voters in this race will be early votes. Um, so we, we're going to have to have a bunch of them. The Republicans have gone to a massive get-out-the-vote thing. They're calling it an educational effort, uh, basically telling, you know, reminding their voters, you know, you're Republicans, and you need to come out and vote for this Republican. But uh, still, um, if Let's Go wins, I'd say by less than 10 points. That's a very ominous uh, sign um, when Democrats are sitting there poised to, to grab 23 seats to retake the House. It, it would also be an ominous sign for, uh, you know, the Senate election that's coming up later this year that we'll be getting into in a few minutes. Remember who I said this is the home base of. 
I'm still having, you know, a hard time thinking the Republicans could somehow lose this particular race. I, I could see where it would be close, but I just cannot see them losing it. This is not Pennsylvania uh, 18 by any stretch of the imagination. This is something totally different. But what we will be able to see is if this trend continues of Republicans underperforming badly in even districts that they win. And so far, they've been doing that now, going into last year right here in Georgia and over in South Carolina and other places. So uh, I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped about this. Uh, like I said, angry voters vote, and I... I'm 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 excited to see what uh, Tuesday will bring here. Yes, I mean, and it's it gonna be interesting to see. I think the Republicans, if they, you know, win by say three points, five points, I mean, something that's pretty anemic. I think they'll try to spin it into a big win uh, because you know they really, with their voters and on their media sources. You know, Donald Trump and others have been known to inflate crowd sizes, spin mm, things, take credit but, for Olympics. I mean, if yeah, they actually have but, a Republican get a three to point five victory, they're going to make you think, or they're going to try to make you think that this was this they, big win, you know, because it was an even contest going in. Well, they did the same thing last year when they won four straight. Uh, special house races. Look at us. We're winning, even though it was pointed out to them that they were winning by very small margins. Well, that talk ceased when they lost Alabama, which I believe Trump won by 28 points. And then when they lost uh, Pennsylvania 18, which I think he won by 19 points. Um I just, uh, 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 my Pompeo's old district, okay, in Kansas, last time he ran there, he won by 32 points, and the guy that replaced him won by seven in Kansas. That sort of thing is going on. They can try to spend it any way they want to. I know that a win is a win and a loss is a loss, but if the same exact thing keeps happening, we have had eight of these special elections. Now, Democrats can look at every last one of them and show improvement over what was going on before. That's a trend. Uh, there's no way to ignore a trend. Our voters are coming out, David. They They really are. Yeah. And I definitely know that. I just know how the Republicans are going to spin it. Um, it'd be like if the Patriots opened the season against the Browns and won on the last-second field goal, and a lot of the prognosticators in sports said, what's the matter with the Patriots? And they said, oh, nothing's wrong. We won. Um, this is kind of the same thing I could see happening. Of course, if for some reason the Democrats can pull this off and this poll is very close to accurate, um, you know, that's just even more evidence. And this will be a different situation. You would then have a southern win, a rust belt win, and now a western sun belt win. And so you'd have, uh, you know, different places. But let's continue to go. We were talking about the U.S. Senate race. And to me, 
that's more friendly landscape Arizona than this one congressional district is. And um, they did another poll. Uh, I guess this was earlier in April. They asked um, GOP primary voters about the race. Then they went head-to-head. Shows the Democrat winning. It also shows that um, Kelly Ward, who actually ran against John McCain, leads this primary. Um, She actually uh, is leading Martha McSally, who's kind of the more establishment candidate that they think could could do better against uh, Kristen Sinema. Our candidate, candidate, or the I guess the odds-on favorite, um, and she's looking like she could win this thing against any of the three Republicans. And if she were to be faced up against Sheriff Joe, she has a 26-point lead in Arizona. Um, Tim, what do you think of this Arizona, you know, U.S. Senate race? Well. Uh... We ran the best candidate we could uh, run in Kirsten Sinema. Um, it, it, the poll is showing her beating uh, every Republican. Uh, it, it's obvious that Martha McSally is the Republicans' best hope. She is the establishment mainstream figure in the race. The other two are, you know, pretty much on the fringe ward somewhat and Arpaio very somewhat, uh, they may be splintering the type of vote, the hardline pro-Trump vote and putting Sally into a very good situation and really helping their own party without realizing that they're doing it. I'm sure... Uh, Kelly Ward was not happy to see Sheriff Joe jump in this race. If she had had McSally all to herself, the polls were showing that she had a very, very good chance to to edge her out. Um, You know what? That being said, I really think we might win this particular race. Um, You know, Jeff Flake has not had many kind things to say about Donald Trump. He's had not many kind things to say about his party's leadership uh, and the way they've handled Donald Trump. And uh, I don't look for him to strongly jump in and try to help the GOP nominee, especially if it's not McSally. Um, we have the best candidate. I, I really think that we can win this race. Uh, Trump only won Arizona by three. This is one state that has been trending blue. Everybody keeps talking about Texas, David, but Arizona is the state out there to watch that is really trending hard uh, toward the blue side of things. I, I think they're becoming a state more and more like Nevada every day in their voting habits. And I feel pretty good about us grabbing this Senate seat uh, in November. I, I really do. I, I think we're going to grab this one. And I think we win regardless of who the candidate is. Um, yeah, I think so McSally, do I. But it would help the Republicans if it was McSally. 
they're they're not win if it's one or the other two. They you can just, they can just write that race off and spend their money somewhere else because the other two candidates are probably going to lose by ten points or more. Yeah, and if they're looking at the big picture, would they not be better off if it were somebody like Mc, uh, probably Ward? I'll say not. Arapaio is one of those kind of candidates you could almost raise money off of in other races. But if it's Ward and they know they're going to lose it, they don't have to then spend money on the race. Where if it's McSally, they got to give a good effort. And if they end up losing it, it would be money they could have spent somewhere else. Um, so it's really kind of a mess for them. And then yep, Arizona's, but, that's but, one of those ones if Democrats are going to win the Senate, they've got to retain everything that they've good. got up but, and flip a few. But on the other hand, yep. Sally is their only chance to hold that seat. They they have to hope it's her. That's their party standard bearer. It will help in down ballot races out there because uh, you know we we could pick up a congressional seat or two in that state too in November. So they 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 really need her at the top of their ticket. To entertain any thoughts of 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 uh, not not having a, a good night, shall we say? If they if they have one of the other two at the top of their ticket, that's that's going to filter down. It, it's going to have to, and they may lose a congressional seat that they would have hung on to if McSally was was their uh, standard bearer. So, yeah. Well, let's move a little further east um, to. The state you alluded to, Texas, it may not be trending as blue as fast as Arizona, but no doubt it is trending blue. And what's so interesting about it is it's like um, Democrats have California and Republicans have Texas. If Texas ever were to flip completely, the Republicans have no map. I mean, every basically that's the puzzle piece that they have to start off with to add other things too. And, and we're talking electorally with number of raw votes and electoral college, not so much, you know, U.S. Senate, their U.S. Senate seat counts as much as Wyoming's does or Idaho's does, does. But this is a big race because Democrats have not won a statewide race in Texas since 1994 with um, – oh, uh, Ann Richards – former governor when she beat George W. Bush. And then they have won a Senate seat since Lloyd Benson ran simultaneously as a VP and for U.S. Senate. It's been that long. But there is going to be a competitive race. Now, the Republicans, I mean, sorry, Democrats win. We don't know. But we do know that it is going to be an election that's hotly contested. Beto O'Rourke, the Democratic candidate, uh, congressman from uh, El Paso, has raised a ton of money, actually outraised Ted Cruz. And so a poll show an incredibly tight race. There's a lot of information in this poll, not just the um, horse race number there, but also it showed Donald Trump was underwater. 43% of Texans approve, 52% disapprove. And that kind of, to me, kind of backs up uh, and you know, falls in line. Um, Tim, what's your thoughts on better award between Ted Cruz against Ted Cruz? Very interesting here. You know, O'Rourke is from uh, El Paso, and it's 
his congressional seat's very safe blue seat. So he gave that up and a chance to stay in Congress as, as long as he wanted to, to go after Cruz, who came within a whisker of being the Republican nominee for president. Uh, obviously, Cruz is a guy that uh, the progressive wing of our party loves to hate. So uh, they've uh, they've uh, sent O'Rourke a lot of money. He's been in you know on the social media end of things a lot. Um, He's outraised Cruz uh, nearly continuously in every quarter, uh, and he doesn't accept money from outside political groups. This is from, you know, people on the Internet uh, giving five and ten bucks. You mentioned his money. He's got like nearly around $7 million or something. That is, that's a lot for a Democrat in Texas. And Cruz has raised about half of that. Now, you mentioned the polls, this uh, Quinnipiac poll. It's what's the first big, big poll, I guess, in the race. And they said, you know, it's a three-point race. Um, of course, that's of registered voters. we got to remember that. But. But we are actually asking the question seriously here. Could a Democrat win a statewide race in Texas this year? Um, No Democrat, as you mentioned, won a statewide race now since 1994. But maybe this is finally the time. I I think he's going to give him a race. Um, I mean, man, we won in Alabama. Uh, That just made all things seem possible, kind of, didn't it, David? It did, most definitely. Now, obviously, uh, Ted Cruz has different issues than Roy Moore. Um, I mean, obviously, he's got his personal life a little more intact than Roy Moore. It wouldn't take much to do that. But this is one thing that I do wonder, and this comes into the fundraising. Ted Cruz has not made friends in his own party. Ted Cruz has people on a personal level in the Republican Party, Ted Cruz's personality. Ted Cruz doesn't have the money, but O'Rourke does. He needs to put on ads. He needs outside groups to put on ads. Are there people that want to say either hold a grudge and not put the ads on, or say, hey, it's either you or we put one in Nevada, or you or we try to take the Senate seat in West Virginia, and they just choose to put their money somewhere else because they like the Republican in another state better than Ted Cruz. Now, there are some downsides to this. Uh, We saw what happened in the primaries. Last month, uh, there's a million Democrats voted. There's the good news, because that's a 100% increase from the number of Democrats that voted in the primaries in 2014. But there's a million and a half people cast a Republican ballot. And that's up like 19% for them. Um, 
Cruz got double the amount of votes that O'Rourke did, although O'Rourke, you know, had a more quality opponent than Cruz did. Um, he he got like 62% of the vote in the primary O'Rourke did against two uh other candidates, and Cruz got like 85% of his. Um, one, another thing we got to think about here in this particular race, um, Trump's approval rating is underwater there, 43.52. Cruz's is 46.44. He's a very polarizing figure. Most people have an opinion of him. Also, most people know him. And there's a downside for O'Rourke. His approval stand at 30 to 16. Most voters don't even know who he is. Uh, this poll is really Cruz versus a generic Democrat, I think. Uh, Charlie Cook still has this one as likely GOP. Not safe, though. That means there's a potential for us to have a race here. Uh, I think we need some more polls to look at. And I hope that O'Rourke can uh, tell the voters what type of candidate he is without letting the Republicans uh, do it for him. That might decide whether or not there's a race or not, right? So now I'm spending a little bit of $7 million to do some bio-ads to define himself for the Republicans. Yeah, um, he's got the money. Areas Houston and they're expensive. Obviously, they should but go into the Waco market, go into the Midland-Odessa market, places uh, you know, uh, Beaumont and Galveston, places that don't cost mm-hmm. as much and, and that Democrats need to do better and define himself. One more, um, they do have cross tabs in this poll, and one that really, really jumped out at me. I think I asked y'all this. I actually, uh, you know, got a Twitter exchange from Glenn Thrush on this one uh, during the week. It says that among African American voters, Ted Cruz, I'm sorry, Better O'Rourke has seven, a 78 18 point lead, which sounds, you know, really good. And then you think, wait, African American voters have been voting for the GOP candidates in the last few cycles at under 10% clip. Ted Cruz has 18% of the African-American vote. One of two questions here. Is this some kind of false number that's going to fall down into the single digits, and that's going to help Beto O'Rourke close this gap? Or is Ted Cruz just one of those candidates that can run better among African-Americans? And if so, why? I know there are candidates like that, like Lamar Alexander. What are your thoughts, Tim? Well, I'm uh, I'm pretty wary of this, but because I, I'm I'm going back again, uh, and what I'm looking at uh, on the federal level are these special elections we've uh, been having, and as we know, it's particularly in Alabama, African Americans have been turning out in droves to vote for the Democratic candidate regardless of where the race was or, you know, what state or whatever. 
I mean, uh, if there were some African Americans in Can- in the Kansas race, and there were a few, they voted in in, in massive numbers for the Democrat in the race. They did that in South Carolina. They're probably the main reason that Jones won in Alabama. Uh, if they're going to vote for a guy like Ted Cruz, that'll be the uh, first, first first such a election uh, lately where they've done. So I, I don't believe that. And if that were true... Wouldn't Cruz have more than a 47-44 lead? Well, I mean, where, where is O'Rourke picking up the vote if he's losing 18% of the most loyal base of voters the Democrats have? Where, where is O'Rourke picking that vote back up to make this such a close race? He's running better among uh, women. He actually leads among female voters, whereas... You know, well, obviously, Democrats do, Democrats that, do better, but they don't win women overall in Texas. So that's one thing he's doing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure if you looked at the whole thing, it would matter. And who knows, maybe in a poll like this, normally a Republican in a poll would get um, 30% of the African-American vote, 25 I don't know. I just that, – that number sounded interesting to me. Uh, and then also yeah. there's the, the Latino vote. Uh, Ted Cruz is getting 33% of the Latino vote. I don't think Donald Trump gets that. Although, you know, I guess they trust Ted nope. Cruz more yep. than Donald Trump, and that's probably not hard to do. Ted, Ted um, Cruz is Latino. <laughs> there's that. Uh, yes, that would probably. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, O'Rourke is not, you know, so. Well, I'm just saying with Donald Trump, I'm comparing there because obviously Donald Trump, is um, you know, is about as uh, yeah. And you know what, David, you make you make an interesting point because if Cruz is successfully tied to Donald Trump, which would be a reach because frankly those two hate each other. But if he is tied to Donald Trump and Trump's policies, and Trump is the overriding issue, those groups we just talked about are not going to vote for Cruz, are they? No, um, and that could be more downside, you know, for him. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let, let's continue to kind of move through. Uh, there has been some polling in the state of Mississippi. There was an internal poll done by Brad Chisholm's group. There was one in Y'all Politics. I think Mason Dixon's done a poll. Um, obviously, that's kind of the guerrilla primary where everybody's going to vote. In one primary, but it's pretty interesting. It shows Mike Espy, the Democratic candidate, winning, but then um, who's going to be the Republican candidate? And Cindy Hyde Smith sounds like she may pull it out uh, over um, Chris McDaniel, but you know he's more of the Tea Party type candidate, and those candidates seem to always do well. And how would it, you know, flesh out in a runoff from there? Or really, I guess that's the general. Between the top two, which would be more traditional, a Democrat and a Republican, all these different polls, um, hard to kind of put them against each other. But uh, And it's actually, I guess they did a four-way poll, throwing a fourth candidate in there, not real sure about his background. Um, what do you think um, about this race? Well, first of all, I've got to go on record as saying I think the Democrats 
win this one if we have a massive wave where landslides don't stop at state lines. I think this one is also likely GOP going to be closer than normal. Um, You mentioned Hyde Smith. Well, she was the appointed senator, and she she comes in in this. You mentioned the four-way poll. It's the Trump campaigns, whoever they are. Uh, They got her 34, SB at 33. Now, McDaniel, who we've talked about on here before, he was once a golden boy in the Republican Party, but he ran afoul of the governor out there. And then he started trying to run against Wicker, and you know, at which he almost beat him. Uh, um, not not Rick Wicker, but uh, well, my my mind just left me the senator that's retiring, Thad uh, Cochran. Thad Cochran, yeah, uh, he almost beat him. And so McDaniel was going to run against Wicker, and then Cochran announced his resignation because of ill health, and here comes McDaniel jumping over into this race. He's sitting at 12%, not exactly a golden boy anymore. The other fellow you mentioned, Shelton. Well, he's the two-term mayor of Tupelo, and you shouldn't feel bad about not knowing anything about him because 77% of the voters in Mississippi have never heard of the guy. So he's sitting at 6%. We got 15% undecided. Uh, it lo- it's, it's looking like a Hyde-Smith-Espy runoff. Uh, there ain't nobody going to get 50% in this race. Uh, of course, McDaniel's people are saying this is a bogus poll, fake poll. Uh, the establishment's all out to get him, blah, 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 blah. Uh, but... Uh, I, I, I still uh, think because uh, uh, Senator Hyde Smith is the actual now incumbent in the race, and uh, that that will help her. The fact that Mississippi has a definite Republican lean, um, we, you know, over 80% of, of white voters, some somewhere up toward 90% in a lot of races, will vote Republican. Um, it, it's going to be tough for Mike Espy to win this race. Uh, but it's, it, here, here again, who thought we'd be talking about a Senate race in Mississippi this year? Did you? No, definitely not. I, I do think the... The runoff nature's complex, um, but SP's going to make it to the general. That means he needs to kind mm-hmm. of a low-key campaign, raise what he can raise, and then hope that um, he can kind of catch fire and get some infusion of cash towards the end. I, I think if he tried to compete with, you know, Beto O'Rourke and some others, uh, maybe Krista, Kristen Cinema, some of these races with the online dollars, he might not get them. But if it looks like some of those become done deals, then he could get on on the next wave um, and take advantage of that. He just has to get to the um, general election ballot. You just It's hard to say that he wouldn't in any year, much less uh, this year, be one of the top two because they're going to split the vote. Yeah. I guess three ways, even though yeah, it could be two. Are. Yeah, Yeah. Well, let's continue to move uh, across the country, and let's go um, – 
to this Missouri poll that just got released tonight, or today, I should say. By the way, um, we didn't talk, plan to talk about this, but the embattled uh, governor up there, Eric um, Grittens, I, I've read about this. I hadn't heard much more other than what I've read places like Political Wire. It's amazing. His approval rating is still 37%, and he has a majority of Republicans approving of him even though they're talking about removing him from office. And that kind of shows that sometimes if you have the party label beside your name, you can get away with anything in your party uh, because they're just going to approve you because you're their party. Yeah. In this case, it's the Republican. And I think a lot of cases, that's the case of the Republican. Uh, Donald Trump, that. when he said he could shoot somebody in Times Square, it sounds like a lot of Republican office holders could do things like that and – Hold on, because they are of that party. Um, well, Missouri is a state, you know, that uh, Trump did very well in, and Republicans have done very well in. Now, Governor Grotten's, uh you mentioned he's got a 37% approval rate. And like, it's like a 40-point drop from where it was. He was he was uh, being talked about in national circles as uh Rising star, the next golden boy, former seal. He he had the he had the bio, he had the story, he had everything. Uh, and now this terrible sex scandal has come out. Uh, I doubt he survives in office. I think he'll probably wind up being removed. And I think this scandal, we have to watch and see how it affects this Senate race. I, I was looking at not just today's polls, but compilation polling, you know, of this race. And uh, like on 207 to win, or 270 to win, rather, which is a website I like to visit, they did a compilation of five different national polls and it's got McCaskill at 46.4 and Hawley at 44.2. Real clear politics, another one that, that all political people like to look at. They did comp, do compilation polling, too. They've got McCaskill at 45 and Hawley at 42.7. So the compilation polling shows a between two- and three-point race. It's close. I think it's going to stay close. McCaskill has always had close races. And Donald Trump won by 18 and a half points in Missouri. And he remains, you know, not terribly unpopular there. I think this about a split decision on him, like 47 for, 48 against, something like that. Well, yeah, I've uh, actually got it right it, in front of me. He's right side up. It's one of the few states. 50%. Of Missourians say they approved of his performance. Forty-four percent say they disapproved. What? You have to wonder about the what Republican that, sample. David? Is the, um, this is the one that came out? This Pulse Opinion Research poll. Oh, okay. um, oh. It was released today, and you know he's still right side up, which is pretty surprising. Um, mm -hmm. That's the case. But Missouri, and so I wonder if the Republican sample is maybe. Not as many voters in the um, uh, suburban area of uh, Kansas City and St. Louis, and maybe more rural voters. Because if you've ever been to Kansas, I mean, I'm sorry, if you've ever been to 
Missouri. It is such a state that it's hard to understand it. This major city, St. Louis, and this major city, um, Kansas City, and other than that, it's like a big Iowa. Um, and, and probably more conservative. It's more southern, and it's till uh, maybe even more Oklahoma might be a better um, way to say it. It's just very rural, except for those two large cities. And um, and though I guess the rural areas dictate more of the politics than we realize, particularly as um, the rural areas go more Republican. Um, that that's kind of influenced things, but um, because Missouri's a state, you know, just back in two thousand two thousand four, it was very much a swing state. Um, it's uh, not that anymore. Tim, you know, uh, uh, I I know a, a mutual friend uh, up up north, name of Mike Mickus, who's screaming. I know a state like that. I know a state like that, Pennsylvania. You got those two major cities. Uh, James Carville once described it as Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Alabama. In uh, between, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what you basically just described Missouri, but more so. The conservative area of Missouri is even more cons- far more conservative than the conservative area of uh, Pennsylvania. So that dictates we're going to have a close race there. And I'm going to say that McCaskill, even in a good Democratic year, is the Democrat, the incumbent senator, most at risk of losing. Would you agree with that? I think she probably is because she never has the easiest time. But, man, is she lucky. She runs in the yeah. right years. It's the right opponent. Um and that really helps. I will say this: this is a good candidate, uh, Jason Kander was. He just ran in the wrong state. I think if he had ran in a state that was a little more friendly to Democrats, he probably would have, uh, you know, defied gravity and won in 2016. Uh, but it, Missouri is just such a curious state. I've I've been to the state to St. Louis three times. One time I actually drove through the state all the way from St. Louis to Kansas City, and it's just really amazing when you go from suburban area to suburban area how in the middle of nowhere you are. Even where their university is, Columbia, where the exit is. I didn't go off and see the university. It's the kind of exit you're not sure when you exit off if there's a stoplight up there. Um, (laughs) It's really – I mean, there's – I'm serious. Like when we had to get gas, between the two major cities, it was like one gas station on one side of the interstate, one gas station on the other. You couldn't see anything else going on other than a lot of fields. Um, and this, and it wasn't like you know exits with gas stations were every single one. I mean, it was very, very rural, very different than what you experience on I-75 going from Lakeview, Fort Oglethorpe, all the way down to Valdosta. Um, you know, pretty much every exit's built up in our state. It's a different world. Um, well, let's continue. It seems like we're moving eastward as we go. Um, let's talk about Tennessee. I'm not sure if the poll is as fresh, but a lot of information's happened to that race. We know Phil Bredesen, like the perfect dream candidate to possibly win Tennessee. 
He got in the race. Marsha Blackburn, um, we know that John Rowley is not a real fan of her intellect when he came on the show. So it seemed like a pretty good matchup. Now we find out that Bob Corker won't even campaign for Marsha Blackburn, won't take the time. Uh, and Phil Bredesen, he had a 10-point lead in the latest poll that Middle Tennessee State University did. Um, this is race is really surprising. So once again, I don't think we thought Tennessee would be in play. Now Tennessee looks like smart money is a democratic state, at least in this U.S. Senate race. Um, what's your thoughts on Tennessee? Well, you got Governor Bredesen. You got a guy that certainly the voters know him, very popular. In his reelection race, he won every last county in the state. How many governors or ex-governors, any, any kind of office holder statewide can claim that? Um, and, and Corker, his, to put it charitably, his support of Marsha Blackburn is, oh, I guess tepid is a good word. Uh, he, he did say on, um, I think it was CNN this morning that he was supporting her, but he he would not be campaigning with her. But, of course, riding to the rescue will be your president, who has said uh, he, uh, he will be campaigning for her. And, uh, and, 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 but, but still, the, the last poll we saw was 10-point race. And I'm I, again. We're talking about Tennessee. A couple of years ago, who would have thought that we got a tight race in a state that leans heavily Republican or has recently? Trump won Tennessee by 26 points. Um, the guy that's vacating the seat's very powerful. He's chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee. Of course, now he does not like Bob uh, or like Donald Trump. Um, I, but but I, I I'm beginning to believe we're going to win that one too. I think we've got the superior candidate running in the right year. So um, Corker just said that Bredesen's his friend and he's not going to campaign against him, and and he let it go with that. Uh, but that that cannot help her, can it? No, it can't help a lot. And I just this one's been so amazing how fast it's trended. But it shows when you get the right candidate, the candidate that can actually cross over and get voters and the other party, you can put these right. things away quickly. Um, and right. that's not a bad thing to have every can you know races where. You just have somebody that the voters like, and you can yeah. win. Um, it's not a complicated political strategy. Um, well, let's move oh. up north. At T- oh, you got another Tennessee point? No, actually, I was wondering if before we go off tonight, if we could move out west because something well, something really important happened out there yesterday. Well, let's Utah. do this. Let's go north to Indiana. And then you, uh-huh. you thank you for 
keeping me straight because we actually mentioned about Utah. So we'll, we and we've got 13 minutes, Tim. So we'll we'll get both of them in. Um, okay. Gravis Marketing did a poll of Indiana, and Joe Donnelly, that's one of the Republicans' targets. It showed that uh, Senator Donnelly has a lead over Congressman Todd Royka, um, Rokita. I'm not sure which one. I hadn't heard it pronounced. And then he's got a 10-point lead um, over, um, let me see where it would, uh, Luke Messer, a different Republican congressman. Now, he actually is at 50 over um, Todd Rakita, but he's um, under 50, still doing pretty well uh, against Luke Messer. Either way, he seems like he's in a pretty good position. I mean, he's going to definitely have to work, much like Claire McCaskill. Um, but do you think uh, Indiana's looking safer? I think it's looking safer. Uh, there's another odd thing, too. You mentioned that poll, Gravis Marketing. And you mentioned two U.S. representatives, two mainstream candidates in Rakita and, and Messer. But Mike Brown, who, who's a former state representative, is leading those two guys um, in the polls. And... <laughs> The, it, it clearly shows that Donnelly would, you know, just mop the floor up with this with with, with this guy, and I I was I, I was wondering what is driving that. Um, why would is he a big Trump supporter or or, or, or something like that? Um, I, I know that uh, uh, Messer, for instance, had a history. Uh, he had a like a drunk driving arrest, uh, or, or 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 something like that. Um, of course, that happened many years ago, but still, those things have a way of showing back up. And that that could be um, hurting him. I don't know. Um, I I just uh, I, I don't I. I don't know why the Republicans up there would be doing that, but right now I'm feeling pretty good about that race. I know that uh, the senator is pretty popular in that state. He's one of the most popular uh, statewide officials up there in a, you know, a very red state, regardless of the fact that Barack Obama uh, slipped in and won the state in his first race. But um, right, right now it's looking, that race uh, is in our pocket, and and that will be a good thing because again we talk about diverting money to other states. There is a place where we can divert some money to uh, some places that that are going to need it probably worse. And as you saw in the poll, um, the his popularity, Donnelly's popularity, is not got anything to do with the congressional races where it looks like the voters are splitting their vote. They're going to vote for him, but they're going to vote for their Republican congressman. Did you notice that? Yeah, and so those so those seats are not necessarily going to be um, no. up for play because it would be nice if they're no. vacated and you could pick them up. But in this case, the U.S. Senate uh, seats are more important. Now, let's get to Utah. You're absolutely right. I saw it. I just uh, forgot about it. Um, 
Mitt Romney went to the Utah GOP convention. You'd think with a candidate like Mitt Romney, it'd be kind of a rubber stamp. Yet, not only did he not get out of the convention like, you know, he doesn't have to have a primary because their system is is if you win the convention soundly enough, you can avoid a primary. Not only did he not, like, pass that threshold, he actually got less votes at the convention by um, – I guess it's a tenth of a percentage point to be fair. I guess if you did your math, it would be a full percentage point. Um, To a state representative, Mike Kennedy, what in the world's going on there, Tim? Well, Kennedy sold himself or has been selling himself to the voters and to these delegates as – an authentic Utahan, and saying that Mitt Romney is an interloper who just came in from somewhere else to build his, you know, political chops and run for the Senate. And it worked with these delegates who tend to be far, far, far more conservative than even the average Utah Republican voter, if you if you can think of the, uh, I believe that. Uh, and an interesting sideline here is Trump had already endorsed Romney. Well, it, it didn't it didn't help here. This is a setback. You know, Romney entered this race with a lot of fanfare back uh, when in February, and it was just assumed, well, this is his to lose. Well. It obviously is not. Even though I still think he's going to win it, he now is going to have to uh, campaign in a primary that he didn't figure on campaigning in uh, in order to get his party's nomination before he goes on in November. So uh, the the bad thing there is it's an extra race and anything can happen. And I imagine since uh, – Kennedy, Mike Kennedy's been uh, doing so well with this. He's going to continue hitting it, hitting him with it, and it it might just take with enough voters. I, I don't know. Yeah, one Utah is a problem that we've been talking. Um, you know, doesn't like Donald Trump. Uh, Evan McMullen tried to use that as his place to really um, get his campaign started. Uh, that didn't go uh-huh. that far. But maybe Donald Trump's endorsement actually hurt Mitt Romney, um, which you'd think in a Republican primary, since we've read so much that the Republican Party is Donald Trump's party now, that wouldn't happen. Uh, But then another thing I will say, and this is a dynamic, I guess when people hear Mormon, you could be born and raised in Florida, and if you're Mormon, I guess some people in their mind, rightfully or wrongfully, think, oh, well, they're like a native person from Utah. Well, mm-hmm. to the Utah voter, both Mormon and non-Mormon, because not everybody in Utah is Mormon, I wonder how they look at it. Like if someone served in the, as Massachusetts governor, someone was born in Michigan, I may be defining someone right here, um, if some, and they, I think they actually lived in Arizona for a while, they do all these things, but they're Mormon. They move back to Utah or move to Utah, maybe not even back, but move to Utah. I do know that Mitt Romney did help with the Olympics in Salt Lake a few years ago. 
to the non-Mormon voter in Utah, do they kind of find that offensive that just because they share the religion of the majority of the people, they don't share their native roots? Is that a turnoff? I mean, Tim, you may be completely, just like I am, unqualified to answer that, but is that a food for thought? Well, it should be. I mean, we're talking about a guy from Michigan. That's where his father, you know, was the chairman of American Motors, and that's where his father was the governor, and that was his political base. And then he himself uh, was the governor of Massachusetts, which is an anathema in itself to a, a lot of Republicans, not only in Utah, but everywhere. Uh, he is far more moderate, I would say, than the average uh, Mormon and Utahan. Uh, and, and so this Kennedy guy has a good point, actually. I mean, uh, whether or not it'll take fully is one thing, but he does have a legitimate point. It is, it is a legitimate issue. Mitt Romney's roots are not there. And uh, he can make the point that it looks like Romney just came there to run for the Senate, and that's all, and has nothing else to do with the state. Of course, Romney can come back with what you said about the Salt Lake Olympics, and I'm a Mormon just like you, and this and that and the other. Uh, and, and he could also say, you know, I'm I'm the guy with the power base that can go to Washington. I can replace a powerful man like Orrin Hatch and still get good things done for Utah, whereas my opponent will be one of a hundred. Uh, he could do that much. You mentioned Trump. Even though Trump won the state, he only got 45% of the vote there. Yeah, right. well, I'd say it, this. It, I, may, it if, may not help Romney too much getting his endorsement right now. And even more so, if I were Mike Kennedy, I'd say, well, look, this is the guy that you know went to eat the frog legs like a chump, didn't get the job to Rex Tillerson, who Donald Trump went and fired a few months ago few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So it's just, now, of course, Donald Trump treats people like disposable tissues, and that's on Donald Trump more than is Mitt Romney or any other Republican. But if you allow yourself to get treated that way, I guess it comes a little on you. Um, So, you know, once again, Donald Trump has cast a pall on almost every race we discussed, but we didn't discuss Mm -hmm. him is a topic tonight, which is probably a good thing. Um, Catherine's going to really find out she missed out there. But until next week, Tim, um, it's been the Cozy Vine, and I think we covered the Senate pretty well. Oh, yeah. Good night, sir. Good night, everybody. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and 